Hey, everybody, and welcome back in to Locked on Bama. Luke Robinson, that's me, and Jimmy Stein, that's him. Jimmy, how are you today? Good, good. Yourself? Oh, well, you know, we're going to be so proper. I'm doing quite well, old chap. Thank you. (laughs) Usually it's a little bit more informal. I dig it. Uh, Well, I'm doing really well because the Alabama Crimson Tide took care of business against the Mizzou Tigers. Um, I went to the game with my three-year-old daughter, had a blast, and a lot of fun. And I thought the environment was good, very good, not great. I mean, it could have been a little better. Um, I still think this, and I thought this at the Auburn game, that, uh, and I think I texted this to you, I think our first row on the floor is like something that the, uh, it's like Make-A-Wish went to a nursing home. And everybody said, you know what, we want to be on the front court of the Alabama game. You know, and because I've never seen so many old white dudes with crossed legs and crossed arms no matter what's happening and it's it's, look i don't want to start out with a negative at least i'm I'm already doing it so i guess i do but that's got to change and and i I hope it changes with whatever we're going to do to coleman whenever we're going to do it i've quit paying attention to it because i've been hearing ever since i was in school we're going to do things to coleman to make it better and under donors and i appreciate them i appreciate the money they pump into a program that i follow i think that's very cool however if you're going to be on the front row, then you can't just sit there with your arms folded and your legs crossed the entire game, even when Herb Jones makes the best block in the history of Southeastern Conference basketball. I don't care that they called it a foul. It's sort of like George Teague stripping Lamar Thomas. It counted for me, baby. Yeah, I got so upset this morning. I watched all of SEC Now, uh, Yeah, which I love that show, by the way, SEC Now, one of the best programs on the entire television, and that's just simply – the SEC Network Sports Center, where they just <laughs> where they just basically cover what happened in the league, and of course, this time of the year it's just all basketball. So they did great rundowns of every SEC basketball game, and uh, Andy Kennedy, uh, in particular, I think does a great job on there. So they show the Herb Jones block, which is one of the great blocks uh, I, I can recall in Alabama history. A fantastic defensive play from one of our best defensive players we've ever had. And they rave about it for a full minute and a half on SEC Now. Andy Kennedy and Damian Fishback and Dari Noka going, unbelievable. Maybe the defensive play of the year. Andy Kennedy, on the basis of that play, called Herb Herb Jones. He's the best defensive player in this league. He's the SEC defensive player of the year. Never once mentioning that the freaking official called a foul on the play. Never even mentioned it. That, oh, by the way, this thing that you're saying is the play of the year. Official called a foul on that. Oh, gosh. So, so I was upset when it happened all morning. They should have brought it up. Like, how in the heck does the league call a foul on this play? And they didn't even mention it. They just, they're just, wow, wow, what a play, what a play. No, per the official on the floor, it was a, a, a horrible play because it put Missouri at three for a line. So I'm upset yeah, about it again. Not what, what made the crowd even more upset was, that the officiating crew went to the review to see if it was a flagrant. I mean, and when they got there, I mean, the only thing I could think was when they got to the review, they were like, oh, shit, this isn't, even, this isn't a flagrant. This isn't even a foul, but we can't – you can't reverse we that. Can't, and so, I'm, listen, here's the thing. When you make a bad call 
I understand, and I'm I'm not bitching about the officiating. I don't think that Doug shows is a very good referee because everybody bitches about him all the time, and he does seem to make calls like that. Uh, but uh, I just hate it that it didn't count for Herb Jones because that's a that's a Sports Center number one top ten if it counts, and it doesn't count. I mean, it essentially doesn't count. So that's what bothers me about it. The officiating. You know, look, basketball officiating is what it is. Nobody knows what a charge is anymore. Nobody knows what a block is anymore. Nobody knows what traveling. They called palming the basketball in this game, and I haven't seen that called. I mean, people palm like they're in a Globetrotters game half the time now, and they don't ever call it. So I thought it was a little bizarre. But, I you thought know, it was a, it I thought what it is. the call is fine. I mean, you know, in terms of like, you know, I, I, saw, I saw it when it happened. I wondered if they were about to call it, and they did. And, and I'm not saying he didn't go up up and over as i call it i, I mean I, I he did but if you're going to call that then call it every time it happens so that's 12 times a game these days so call it call it all 12 times don't just pick out one guy at one time and call it then that's that's absurd but they did and say so like well all right you're going to call it the rest of the game like that no nope, they didn't well my goal so, today is not to be worse not to be worse than the current Auburn play-by-play guy who is worse, unbelievably, than the last Auburn play-by-play guy in terms of blaming the officials because I got to listen to some of the Auburn, excuse me, Auburn-Florida game, and they literally were saying, Bruce Pearl can do nothing. He can do nothing. He can't do anything to stop this poor officiating. And I was thinking, y'all know this well, is going out over the air, right? These people are hearing this. This is, this I mean, is what, this, this is say, what differentiates I don't, I don't, us from – from the Auburn, from the Auburn, this is what differentiates. First of all, me and you both, there is no league-wide conspiracy. Not for Alabama, not against Alabama. Not for Auburn, not against Auburn. The officiating that happens that are bad calls comes from this. There are officials who make bad calls. Uh, you, you can go really far and say the league does a bad job of training these guys, or the league does a bad job of coaching them up, or hey, it's just really an officiating shit happens thing where there's going to be bad calls in every football, baseball, basketball, any sport you watch, there's going to be bad calls. And I'm complaining from that point of view. Just, gosh, that was a bad call. But it's not a conspiracy. No one's cheating for this team or another team or this team gets all the breaks. That's that's just dumb. Alabama is helped every bit as much by bad calls as we are hurt by them. But it's the nature of fandom when you feel like a particular call wasn't fair to your guys, you're going to get upset about it. That's, that's perfectly normal human living. <laughs> I mean, that's not crazy. What's crazy is the black helicopter stuff. And that's just nuts. And we don't do that here. Well, let's, let's talk about the game a little bit more because um, I thought it, it, it was a carryover a bit from the Auburn game. Not so much that Alabama got uber hot late and and pulled away even though they kind of did I, I thought it was great that Missouri cut the lead they either cut it to three or two kind of maybe with the seven minute mark and then Alabama was able to pull away again and it just solidifies my line of thinking that this team has learned how to win where whereas at Florida they did they had no idea how to hold a 21 point lead it's like um you know when the when Heath Ledger's Joker was trying to explain to Harvey Dent that, hey, I'm, I'm like a dog chasing a car. I had no idea what to do when I caught it. It's like Alabama was like that at Florida. Oh, we, 
you know, I'm, I'm chasing a 21-point lead. Now I don't know what to do. Um, and I think now they do know what to do because they, uh, they, they were able to hang on to uh, the lead against Auburn when Auburn made a run and got to within two, and the same thing in this Missouri game. And, um, man, it was just – it was good to see. Petty really is just – I you know, at the beginning of the season, I was calling him the, the worst best shooter in Alabama basketball history, and now he's just – a really good best shooter. I mean, he's not the best shooter I've ever seen, but damn, he's gotten good and he's stroking it from everywhere, man. Yeah, I could do the whole show yeah. on John Petty. I, I just love what what has happened with Petty's game. Uh, I think it's fair and even logical to credit Nate Oates and his staff because Petty is a different player. Uh, it wasn't like he was a horrible player before, by the way, but but this Petty is one of the better players in the SEC. Uh, arguably in the race for league MVP. And that's not coming from, from just Jimmy Stein and, and Luke on the Alabama podcast. That's coming from neutral observers, experts around the league. Petty is a legit candidate to be an SEC player of the year. And I think it's fair to credit Nate Oates and his staff. But what I, what I would like to harp on a little bit is, is again, ho- Oh, these oversized expectations we have for players as freshmen, uh, we do it in football. We're worse about it in basketball. For some reason, in basketball, we think being a freshman is no big deal. And I suppose that's because of one and done and the Fab Five and how many freshmen have been dominant players. But but at the same time, we, we sort of then expect all of the freshmen to be good right away. And it, it just the world just doesn't work like that. And what I would say about Petty is, Petty has been a good example of a five-star that maybe shouldn't have been a five-star, but he he really has turned into what I would call a developmental guy. His game has developed over time, and he is now developing into the type of player we thought he might be from day one. And, and that that's no knock on Petty. It's a knock on us. It's a knock on society. It's a knock on the recruiting industry. Uh, which, which through no fault of its own, puts a lot of expectations on these these guys. Petty is now becoming a star. He's becoming a star, and uh, and and maybe that's just because, like a lot of kids, he just needed some time. He needed some time. He needed to see. He needed to trial and error. He needed to learn to 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 work harder, play harder on defense, rebound the ball, sort of turn into a blue collar guy. And uh, when all those other parts of his game started uh, falling into place, so did his shot. So. Uh, Petty is one of my favorite players on this team, no doubt. He's been playing well. Um, I thought that, you know, obviously Kyle Lewis was able to speed his way again to the rim a couple of times. Uh, Jaden Shackelford, this guy, I mean, he's really starting to impress me as a true freshman. And yes. I thought you're right. Andy Kennedy brought him up in the, on the SEC Now broadcast because I watched that too. And I was glad to see him getting a shout out like that. Uh, Herb Jones, we talked about defensively. He's just, he is the best player in the league defensively. And he's coming into his own a little bit more offensively too. Um, he took a three uh, yesterday that I didn't like. And it was, I didn't like it with good reason because it turned out to be awful. But, you know, he's not there yet to be shooting threes in my opinion. I think let's, let's still get a couple of these layups to go down and then you can work your way back. Um, let's not work our way in, but I'm really impressed with how he has kept his head up through uh, what was a, a pretty significantly long slump. Um, Beetle Bolden, I thought he played really well yesterday, and 
he had a couple of big threes. He, he's just uh, beginning to come into his own. Um, I, I'm really just falling in love with this team and falling in love with, with Coach Oates. I mean, he's, he's really yeah. turned some things around. And he, his attitude is so great and so contagious. And I love that he said, hey, you know, I, I look back now, when he said the thing about Macklemore from Auburn about how we got it's our duty to make sure that this place isn't his favorite place anymore, essentially. When he said that out loud to the media, I thought, I kind of, you know, they're still better than us. I kind of don't want you to say that just yet. I don't want you to be too cocky. Well, then he backed that up. And now he's come out and said, hey, I expect us to make the NCAA tournament. I don't know what everybody's all riled up about. We're, we expect to make it. And I like his attitude like that now. Now that he's backed it up, I think we can all get behind him. It's one thing when you keep getting your ass beat, you say, we're the best team in the country. Everybody eventually goes, eh, maybe not. <laughs> yeah, Nate's uh, – he, he's, he's a good coach. There's What, what I like – is I, because I've seen this happen again, not not just Alabama, but all over the place, Luke. I think I think you have a philosophy and you have a style, and you come in, and there's not success early. Maybe there's even some boo birds, although you know that hasn't been a big problem. Certainly not the Coliseum and and online, it hasn't really been a big thing. Even even when Alabama sort of had its struggles in, in November and December, but what a lot of coaches would do, Luke is they would panic and say, you know what? You know, I, I believe in this up and down stuff. I believe in this high tempo stuff, but this group wasn't recruited to do that. They're uncomfortable with it. I'm going to change what I do to fit what they can do because I'm tired of some of the negativity from the stands and I don't want to lose. And, and maybe if I went back and coached a, a system like, like Avery Johnson had uh, and this group was recruited to play, maybe we'd have, no, that's not what Nate did at all. He, he 100% believes that what he's doing is right, and he was, damn it, going to make these guys learn how to play the brand of basketball he believes gives you the best chance of success, and he did that. He didn't change a thing. And, and what has happened? We stopped turning the ball over because we're more comfortable pay, playing at this pace of play. We're now learning to play defense even though we're playing fast, and Nate stuck with what Nate does weathered what amounts to a small shit storm early on. And now look where we're at. Let me tell you, the SEC is a pretty good league. It's not the ACC. It's, it's not, it's not going to be called the best league in the country come tournament time. It's not, but it is a good league. And guess what? Alabama can beat anyone in it. There is no one in this league. Alabama cannot beat in Coleman Coliseum or on a neutral floor. Beating Kentucky at Kentucky, beating Florida at Florida, beating LSU in their place, beating Arkansas in their place. Those are going to be beating Auburn in their place. Those five teams, to me, have separated themselves. Beating the top five teams in the league on the road would be very tough. But guess what? It'd be tough for anybody. I don't even know who the hell is number one right now, Gonzaga, I guess. But if Gonzaga played at any of those five places, I'm not sure they'd win. So I think for us to be in year one, playing a new system and a new style of play that we have now become a team already that can beat anyone in the league, except maybe three or four or five on the road. That would be a tough draw for again, anyone in college basketball. I think it's incredible what's been accomplished. It certainly has been a lot of fun to watch him grow. And Andy Kennedy brought up another great point on that SEC now where he said that he spoke with Nate Oates and Oates went on to say, look, we were, 
very emphatic about getting the pace of play ingrained into these kids. And so we may have been a little behind in teaching the defense that needs to be played on the other side. And now they're figuring that out, you know, because the pace of play is something that they did figure out pretty quickly. I mean, because everybody loves to run and shoot and do all that. And now they're figuring out defensively what to do. And um, things are certainly looking up. And really excited about the prospects. We got Vanderbilt coming up uh, on Wednesday. That's, you know, always been kind of a house of horrors, even though we won there last year. And I, I, they're, they, they have not – God, they hadn't won an SEC game in a long time. Because they didn't win one last year, right? And they hadn't won one this year. They are – Sweet. And then they, and then they lose. Don't be the first – they then they lose their very best player. Um, you know they lose their very best player. Uh, Thornton was that his name? You know Andre Thornton is that right? Basement, uh, it? Yeah, I, 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 I've not seen because Vandy isn't winning games. I admit to I have not seen them play, so I, I never saw. I hadn't seen them play all year, not once. So I just know I whoever the best them. player is, he's gone. Well, I tried to watch them against Tennessee, and it was really just like, I mean, like watching old people porn. I mean, it just wasn't, I, I just couldn't do it. And um, they were an unbelievable. While- I'm glad you can't do while- that. I'm glad you're not telling the audience where to find that on the, uh, in, yeah. I, I assume, I assume that's on the dark web because it is. My, well, uh, no, it's, it's on the gray web. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, <laughs> while Missouri was going 31 of 31, which is the SEC record from the free throw line, and we were really good from the free throw line, too. That's what's amazing. Um, Vanderbilt went 0 for 25 from beyond the arc. It's the first time, I think, since the three-point line has been instituted that they did not make a three-pointer or something something crazy like that. But, man, 0 of 25 from beyond the arc. I mean, you could literally stand out there and bounce a ball randomly towards the rim 25 times and you you make one right i've not shot hoops i mean you grew up a basketball player and was a, a really uh good uh accomplished high school basketball player yourself and and uh and even played uh well into your adulthood i have not shot hoops in quite a while i only played uh, eight, i played on my eighth grade school basketball team so i did play eighth grade basketball uh i say all that to say i'm an old man Hand me the ball 25 times tomorrow. I promise one will go in. One. <laughs> one will go in. in. Yeah. One will go in. And uh, just give me 20. And, and it would be fun to try, actually. So, yeah, Vandy is really bad. Uh, they're the worst team in the SEC. They're 140-something in the net. Uh, it's one of those games where even though you win on the road, you might even lose a spot or two in your ranking, in your net ranking. They're that bad. Uh, we need to, we, we've got, and, and the funny thing is because of net and, and, and it used to be RPI now it's net, it's a different formula, but it's sort of a similar concept. What a lot of people don't realize is the definition of a must win. When we play at Baton Rouge next week and, and LSU's ranked really high in the net, they're one of the best teams in the country. They have not lost an SEC game. Some people think, oh man, if we're going to get in the tournament, we've got to win that game. No, you don't. No, you don't. You don't have to go to Baton Rouge and win. You don't have to, because if you lose that game, you're not losing any traction in those analytics rankings, because hardly anyone is going to beat LSU this year in Baton Rouge. The must win is the game at Vandy, because if you lose that game, 
you're dropping 25 freaking spots. There's not enough time in the season to make it up. I mean, that's the muscle. You've got to win it. You want to play in the NCAA tournament? You have got to beat Vandy. You've got to beat Kansas State. And then when you go to Baton Rouge next week, don't don't have one of those games that makes you lose your confidence. Don't get run out of the building 80 to 35. You know, don't don't be non-competitive. Prove to yourself, at least leave the floor saying, you know what, we can play with anybody. And, and, and then, then you'll probably win your next game. But uh, no, no, Vandy is a must win. Kansas State is even a must win. Those will be games Alabama will be significant favorites. Got to lose that game or you tumble in the net. And when that committee meets in March and puts, puts the tournament field together, the very first a- analytic, the very first statistical information they have on their side is the net ranking. It's, it's a big deal. It's, it's as big or bigger uh, than the RPI was just two or three years ago. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. And we did get some help from Kansas State because they beat number 12 West Virginia yesterday. And so that helps us as they come yep. to Coleman Coliseum. So that's a, that's a big lift. Um, we need the league okay. to win. I mean, does the SEC Big 12 challenge next Saturday? And I know, I know that a lot of our Alabama fans don't like pulling for your rivals. Just think of that. We, we've got to win a lot of those SEC Big 12 games. It helps the net across the league. And it's so important. You're not pulling for your rival. You're pulling for Alabama. And those games, you're pulling for Alabama in those games when when you want the SEC teams to beat those Big Twelve teams that day. You're pulling for Alabama. It doesn't matter what color the jersey is of, of those SEC teams. Uh, it helps Alabama if if the SEC wins those games. Um, so we'll talk more basketball this week. Football wise, um, the Titans just were beaten by the Chiefs as we're doing this. And Derrick Henry didn't have his best game, but uh, he only got the ball like three times, only carried the ball three times, I should say, in the second half, which is just practically criminal. And what really happened there was uh, Rashawn Evans was banged up, and he was trying to make a tackle on Patrick Mahomes, and Mahomes was able to get by him probably because uh, Rashawn Evans had a little bit of a knee issue, and he was a second slower. And Mahomes was able to get by him and get to the end zone right before the half, and that just sort of – killed any momentum now you know and Kansas City got the ball first and they had to punt but it, it just it didn't matter the, the writing was on the wall and the better team won I mean let's be real about that too Kansas City's a better yeah. team and um, San Francisco it looks like probably going to win this game so it'd be you know two number one seeds which I'm usually for um, although you and I said we don't want San Francisco because they have no Alabama connections but Andrew Bone very um, astutely pointed out that uh, D'Amico Ryan's is on the coaching staff for San Francisco. So there's a positive. You know, and I'll say this, uh, this is not inside scoop, anything like that, because I'm, I'm unaware of any talk of it whatsoever, but let's just say that uh, I think it's fair to uh, project or predict that one day uh, D'Amico Ryans is uh, on the Alabama coaching staff. I think, I think that's something that could easily happen. Uh, down the road, uh, soon, soon or later, uh, that could easily happen. Love that idea. Um, so, Jimmy, that'll wrap it up for this episode. We will be back tomorrow. Uh, you know, I'm sort of free whenever, and 
you know, but you and I, we always sort of do this on the fly. So I got senior bowl. I got got a senior bowl event tomorrow night. Very excited uh, to do that. So, so we'll have to record uh, in the uh, morning or early afternoon. And then tomorrow night to the senior bowl where uh, I get to go to this little thing that's uh, where we get to meet and mingle with the uh, players that are here. Of course, looking forward to, the five Alabama players in the room, not just the invited Alabama players, Terrell Lewis, Raquan Davis, Anthony Jennings, and Jared Maiden, but Jalen Hurts will be uh, present, and he is an Alabama legend, so looking forward to those five guys, and also hope to meet Justin Herbert and Jordan Love, two potential first-round quarterbacks, and two SEC guys that are projected first-round picks they may be the enemy, but they are outstanding football players that will be great NFL players. I hope to meet LSU cornerback Christian Fulton and South Carolina defensive tackle Javon Kinlaw. Uh, both certain first-round picks, in my opinion, great players. And, uh, yeah, so tomorrow's tomorrow's a good college football day for, uh, for me anyway. Yeah, we're going to be really disappointed if you don't get to tweet out a picture of you and Jalen Hurts. I'm letting you know right now. <laughs> well, I've already uh, we've already oh, got a plan. My, the wife, the the Mrs. the Mrs. LJS Law is quite the fan of Jalen Hurts, and she's her original hometown is Meridian. So uh, we don't get that much time with each guy. You know, we don't we can't hog the, the whole room. So uh, we're probably doing the picture uh, with the Mrs. LJS Law with Jalen and Raekwon and uh, and then my picture with with some of the other guys. Nice. All right, buddy. We'll, just, we'll try and work on it maybe sometime uh, mid-morning or something like that tomorrow. Sounds good to me. And we can touch on uh, recruiting. A lot of uh, recruiting news. Nick Saban hits the road tomorrow. Nick is going to be in Texas uh, talking to doing an in-home with Alfred Collins. Uh, don't think we're going to land him, but but we're definitely in the thick of it with Texas and Oklahoma. But uh, Coach Saban on the road this week. So got a lot of recruiting to cover. I dig it. All right, buddy. Roll Tide. Roll Tide.